I took my brother's hand, told him to stop crying, and entered the endless stacks of the public library. I was just shy of high school. Dale was about to go to the middle school. Me and my brother, inseparable mostly because he would whine if I left him behind. I had been told about this place in the back of the library where you could get lost forever. I wanted to go, and Dale heard me talking about it in my dreams. Damn Snoop. I was thinking about my little brother and I getting lost beyond time and him dying in the honey sea as I read Finna by Nino Cipri. Hope I'm saying that right. A book recommended by Kirsten at Go Home Kiki on Twitter. And I choked down some edible nonsense from Aunt Maddie's Pizza Barn, the only pizza company that has sponsored the library so far. Welcome to the Band Library Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. My name is S.D. Harker, librarian and writer, teller of tales both tall and short and in between. Or am I? Could be some other version of me reaching out from beyond the thin barrier of space and time to warn you of an incoming danger to your reality through a cryptic series of stories that sound like nonsense, but with the right string and the right wall, you could see the pattern. Or... I could be on the other side. One of the invaders here to tell you that it's all okay. It's all fine. Just sit back, listen to this little podcast. Maybe take in two episodes a day, go into the back catalog if you have to. Just listen and relax. And don't think about your neighbors screaming for your help. Don't think of all the patrons that have dull lifeless look in their eyes, as if their brains had been eaten away by small mind parasites that fit so well in a pickle jar for easy transport to other dimensions. Don't think of any of that and just relax to the sound of my voice. Don't think about that little tickle on the back of your neck. Or I could just be some guy. I claim to be a librarian, but so do lots of people. What does that even mean? I could be a guy that just spent a lot of time in the library. Don't need a master's degree for that. Watching people, memorizing the Dewey Decimal System, putting caution tape on a display because banned books are not just a threat to our liberty, they can be a fashion statement, too. Hell, once in a while, I might even put a book back in order and think, you know what, I library into good today. You don't know me. Maybe you do. That's the whole point. So, Finna by Nino Cipri. Again, I'm very sorry if I'm saying that wrong. It's a hell of a little book. Novelette is a long short story. Symbols drawn in flower juice, dripped onto wood pulp bound together by cheap glue. 
Uh, let's just go with book. Seems easier, faster. Finna, if I'm saying that right, shit, who knows anymore. The story of Ava and Jules. They're two wacky kids who go on an adventure in the multiverse. And only go to the shitty places because, well, that's what multiverse stories do more often than not. Just once I want some asshole to find a hole in time and space that takes them to the Big Rock Candy Mountains where all the cops have wooden legs. And all the bulldogs have rubber teeth and the hens lay soft-boiled eggs. The farmer's trees are full of fruit. Barns are full of hay. There ain't no snow. The rain don't fall. The winds don't blow in the Big Rock Candy Mountains. And just in case the copyright police are listening, that's a tune by Charles Singleton and Rosemarie McCoy about how an unhoused person is dreaming of a fantasy land. It incorporates many humorous and delightful descriptions of things a person without means may enjoy, set to a bouncing beat that I find delightful. You can suck on that review, copyright shitheads. Anyway, Ava and Jules have just broken up, and they're both pretty shitty people. Ava's main characteristic is that she is the asshole narrator. Jules is known as the non-binary asshole. They both work at a big box store, Ikea sort of place, that they cannot stand yet both seem beholden to. One day, a hellish day where Ava has come in on her day off, cue the scary lightning sound effect, a granny goes missing while wandering the store. It turns out, random holes in reality often open up and swallow people whole. Not to fret, though, the company knows all about it. As two of the least seniority, Ava and Jules are forced to travel realities to find the old lady, or an equivalent that sort of looks like her. Gotta love these multiverse stories. Now here's the thing, I might be hard on these assholes. Their journey from grumpy bastards to caring about each other is actually kind of delightful. It's not bad. They do grow as people. Between the granny-eating chairs and the pirate shenanigans. You can hold on your butts for those pirate shenanigans. However, even Jules always felt a little shallow to me. I mean, it's a novelette, can't dig into every facet of their lives, I get that. But other than their breakup, the reader's given little about them. Do they have families? Maybe. I don't remember. The introduction of these two are Ava complaining about everything and Jules snarking about everything. And also, Ava thinks Jules, she thinks about him a lot and they just broke up, which, yeah, that tracks. But there's another really specific, if you get my meaning. And then they jump into a wormhole, which honestly made me like Jules way more. Very reactionary, they're into adventure, probably a little bit. Get me out of here, this shit kind of sucks, you know. People leave hometowns every day because of that reason. And Jules left the entirety of reality and it feels right. Maybe that's because I did once too. Dale, my baby brother, never had much of a way with people. He's a little kid, born small, and stayed that way. He liked to read, and we traded books all the time. By the time I was grown and into girls, though, well, Dale was dead. Maybe. When you get your spirit ripped from your body by a, well, let's just say a shitload of honey, you hold on to your life and death, and what lies between is a little blurry. 
You know, especially when that all happens on a strange world you don't understand. I wish I'd never dragged him into that mess. The place between the library stack should not be ventured into lightly, and we were just kids. Just fucking kids. But anyway, back to the book. So Jules and Ava are passing through this barrier between worlds. They got this device called the Finna that the Ikea store built that can navigate your way through, basically. They're trying to find this grandma, and they're following the Finna there. They find themselves in a version of the store that's all plants. Jules is into it, Ava's not. And there's a man-eating plant chair and grandma parts just all around. and You know, red, blood-like goo. Mostly because it's blood. <laughs> Whoops. This is what happens when you fuck around with the instruction videos instead of rescuing grandma, because that's all that happened first. They were like, this grandma's missing and there's this weird hole in reality in the person in charge is like well watch this instructional video with mark and dana who will explain to you about how the company already knows all this shit and you're gonna have to fucking go in there i mean grandma gets eaten by a plant that looks like a chair i guess it happens all the time watch a video instructional video first capitalism fucking i hate that but we hand wave all that off because like i said this is the multiverse and a commentary on that big box capitalism. There's multiple versions of everyone, except our heroes, of course. So, they can just go find another grandma. First, we have to hear about that relationship, though. Turns out, Ava's pretty fucked up in a non-specific, person-in-their-twenties depression kind of way. And Jules leaves people. Their relationship was great at first, as most of them are, otherwise we wouldn't stay in a lot of them. Ava believed that their love had cured her of her non-specific depression symptoms. But then she felt that, well, Jules was trying to change her, and then they left. You can kind of skip over this bit, and it happens occasionally throughout the book. And it is brought up later, and overall it just feels redundant. The relationship stuff. Or her thinking about the relationship. I don't know, there's too much packed in. So, there is redundancy in the multiverse, though. There is sort of a weird irony there. So many copies of copies and uncopies. Wandering through the Indus library stacks, Dale and I saw 28 copies of How I Met Your Mother's last season. Don't worry, they all ended with the mom dying, so they're all fucking horrible. But some of them ended up with Ted dying, too, and that was kind of cool. It's also great to have the time to sit down in a place between the stacks, between all the Different dangerous worlds me and Dale were visiting. I just watched television with my brother for what was going to be the last time. Just enjoying all 28 season finales and hoping that each one within would end with poor Tracy making it out alive. Turns out, 28 copies, we never found one goddamn How I Met Your Mother finale where that happened. Much like poor small Dale when the pirates arrived anyway anyway back to the book Ava and Jules continue on and end up in a capitalist metaphor blah 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 a store where you have to put your arm down and blood pays for everything cuts you open stakes it out 
And of course, all the inhabitants are hive mind bees belonging to a mother, the name for all generic overlords. Mother brain, mother computer. I mean, they're just all over the place. And that's about all that happens. Just an obvious metaphor wherein our heroes run from a group of corporate stooges named Mark and Dana from the video earlier, who have been copied into bee-like organisms. I'm going to try to come up with something more obvious, like maybe a child coming up with a villain called Mr. Business, who is really analogous to his father, but then I just realized as I said that, that's the Lego movie. Also, it's the Legos, it's about Legos, and it's about the power of imagination, and it's kind of entertaining most of the way through, and not about a couple attempting to mature beyond their capitalist overlords, which honestly makes very little sense. But what the real takeaway in this little area of the book is, is that bees are really fucked up. And here's where fiction and real life dovetail. So fucked up that there are versions of bees out there that have eradicated all life on their worlds. Instead of being killed by parasites and pesticides, bees evolved to produce parasites and pesticides. Instead of their homes being destroyed, the bees of other worlds made their earth home. Whole planets were hollowed out to create hive worlds of bees, filling the cores with honey and drowning in the seas of viscous death. I told Dale it was dangerous to swim there. I told him not to go out too far, but he did. They got him. He dove into a honey ocean when I was not looking and was pulled to the bottom. I imagine he screamed, but how do you scream when your world is the sticky, sweet embrace of death? I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of his hand slowly sinking, giving me a thumbs up on the way down. Then the little bastard gave me the finger. Then he did some grasping, clawing, death rattle in American Sign Language. I don't... Poor Dale. You know, he learned that ASL teaching the blind kids to speak down at the Piggly Wiggly every afternoon. And just sit with all them kids. Blindly staring into the sun, not understanding that they couldn't see or the amazing deals that could be had at Maddie's Pizza Barn. And that leads us into a message from today's sponsor, Aunt Maddie's Pizza Barn. 200 years ago, the Maddie family gathered together and said, We gotta stop killing so many people. What can we do? Little Tommy Maddie said, Why not pizza? And Matilda Maddie, also known as Aunt Maddie Maddie, said, yeah, I can make a lot of money. So Aunt Maddie started Aunt Maddie's Pizza Barn, and little Tommy had an accident he could not refuse. Look, folks, I've eaten Aunt Maddie's Pizza, and it was not good. I would tell you to eat anywhere else. It's just greasy cardboard with a bag of shredded cheese on top. But they partnered with the library for our read-a-book-asshole program. And here's how that works. You check out a book, and you read it, and then you bring it back to the library. A library worker will stamp a worthless card because it makes you feel something inside, and makes us feel a little bit too, and the library computer will then tell Aunt Maddie and the government what book he read, and they take that data, and they send you targeted social media ads to save you money. Could not be more simple. Or... If you don't want to do all that, 
Rich, you've got no choice, but whatever. Uh, you can also help the library out over on Patreon. It's a dollar a month at patreon.com slash library. And you get all the back catalog, get everything else. And it really doesn't matter because those pizza guys kind of get their hooks in us. So, uh, and Maddie's Pizza Barn. Check it out. You've got no choice. Anyway, back to Finna. Avon Jules chased, tossed into a pit. I think Jules pushes Ava into a pit. And they fall for quite a long time. Very down the rabbit hole. Good reference there, author. I don't, I don't mean to bash this book, but come on. It's an obvious metaphor about being pushed down a hole. But they fall into an ocean. They float there for a while. And this is more one of those more thinking chapters. Ava thinks about Jules trying to change her while Jules just kind of floats along and not contributing anything so that Ava can sit here and think at us. She thinks about how the more they tried to fix her, the more she felt broken. Two of them joke about capitalism, because that's what they do. It's a running joke that never catches on, much like running jokes for couples never catch on to anybody else outside the relationship. And honestly, at this point in the reading, I kind of did hope Ava and Jules got back together. If only so this couple would not inflict themselves on anyone else insufferable assholes and then much like Dale two of them are picked up by pirates now I said that but I watched Dale struggle as I stood on the beach he made his little hand signals all the while and that honey sea had him good it was pulling him down it was killing him he was dead I thought nothing I could do then came along some robot pirates called the robot pirates they weren't very clever they cursed us out pretty good as they fished Dale out from the honey sea. Something about spoiling it. I don't know. Then they flopped his dead body on the sand next to me and told me to get that boy home. I screamed for them for help, but they were robot pirates on the honey sea. What could they do other than pull his corpse from the depths? Nothing. They were robot pirates, not robot doctors. So I gathered up my brother's body, and it was a hassle. Like I said, we were on a beach, and he was covered in honey. Just globs of sand and grit and goopy honey stuck to that tiny corpse. The fact that I dragged him probably didn't help much. But I got him through that damn portal back to the endless stacks, and shit kept sticking to him. All kind of shit. Okay, the thoughts kind of creep me out. So back to Ava and Jules. They're getting taken by pirates. And they're led, the pirates are, by the multiverse equivalent of the grandma they were looking for. I'm going to call her Captain Grandma because she's the captain. She takes them into a little seaport where they get some new clothes. Grandma knows all about the multiverse, fixes the finna that was ruined by the water. And yeah, she's fucking awesome. Her and Ava talk a spell about wandering the multiverse. While Jules, once again, fucks off somewhere, playing soccer and telling stories to kids so that Ava can have some thinking time. This time she's with another person, though, so it makes it a little bit more interesting. And Grandma has this one killer line that gets across the story's whole meaning. She says, Getting lost for lack of a better option loses its appeal after a while. You see, we get the theme of that story. Of the whole thing, stagnation versus moving for the sake of moving. It's about goddamn time we get this message, but it's sort of been hammering over, but this is a really good way to say it. I really do love that line. 
getting lost for lack of a better option loses its appeal after a while. Just keeping moving for the sake of moving. You're staying somewhere in a dead-end job for the sake of staying in a dead-end job because you got no other choice, got no other thought to do. I was hard earlier talking about how Jules and Ava only complained about the story they work in without leaving it, and there's some truth to that. They're both young, yet allowing themselves to stagnate in that dead-end job. They bitch, they moan, they cut, they joke up. They joke, they cut up, they have sex with each other rather than looking for anything better. For something better. Or to do anything better at all. Yet at the same time, this travel for the sake of traveling, even through the multiverse, it's gotten empty. You can have tons of great experiences, you can grow as a person, but what does that matter if no one is there to share your growth with? Not friends, not lover, nobody. It's a tree in the woods problem. You change and become a better person, but nobody benefits but you. Are you a better person? It's a hell of a thought process to ride around in your noodle up there. I remember thinking something like that while looking at my brother's honey and sand and paper, and there's, I think, somehow a stool got stuck to him. His fucking corpse was nasty. Who will see me do awesome shit now that Dale's just a memory? A goo-covered, shit-covered memory. I thought about finding another version of my brother out there among the never-ending stacks, but even if I got close, it wouldn't be my brother. Plus, what if those other Dales were better than me? Fuck that. So while Ava has some life lessons, the people of the town learn that our assholes have met the hive, and, well, everybody's kind of pissed about that. Turns out... Everyone in town knows about the multiverse. The Hive is a constant shit spiller. So they all get to battle stations as thousands of Marks and Danas and the Mother show up out in the sea where the wormhole was. And Ava and Jules and Captain Grandma run to some kind of control place. I barely was paying attention at this point, just kind of skipping through. And they start talking about how Grandma's first mate out on the pirate ship is pretty awesome, and she was going to retire and take him over, and blah, blah, blah. And they watch the first mate kick some serious ass and kill the mother, proving that, yeah, you know, the first mate can take over for Grandma. And there's some fun commentary about how the Hive never changes their tactics. That's why the first mate can kill her, kill them. That they're just, the people are more malleable. The pirates can, you know, learn from their mistakes. It's just another emphasis on that stagnation and moving on with your life. Like Grandma retiring. And humans learning from all those weird past battles. And even though the mother's dead, there's still thousands of Mark and Dana drones, however. They attack, and this book gets real dumb here for a minute. I hate this trope so much. And this one, it doesn't even try to zig the trope at all. It doesn't try to move around it or do anything clever with it. It's just... In a, what's supposed to be a very emotional scene, Jules decides to stay back and give Ava and Captain Grandma some time to run. You've seen this in any movie. It's a reverse of any kind. A human in a movie has to get an animal to go away for its own good. Except in this case, the human gets eaten or something. Probably covered in honey and sand and book pages. At least, I think that's what 
Dale would have said. He would have taken a copy of Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance in one sticky hand, thrown it at me, and yelled, Get on, Esty. Get on back to your kind, the living kind. Leave the dead here with me and we'll all float. Something. So I did. I left my brother's corpse among the never-ending shelves of the multiverse and allowed myself to carry on without the burden of him weighing me down. I left my brother. Mom was pissed. But anyway, back to the part where Jules gets left behind. The worst part is the saccharine sweet, overly done line about how Jules is not running, but choosing. Nobody talks like this. They He actually said, I'm not running, Ava, I'm choosing. It just blows everything up. They're sacrificing their life for others. Jules is taking themselves out of the equation. It's a noble as deed as it can be done. And to have a line solidifying their entire character journey in such an obvious way, in a way that nobody talks, baffles the mind. Is it a good line? Yes. Yes, of course it's a good line. I'm not running anymore. I'm, I'm choosing to stay here. It's a good line. Kill your darlings. Cut this. It, nobody talks like this. Not even Jules has talked like this in this book. I don't know. It just, it just failed. The whole narrative just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but then, then the next scene kind of kicks a whole lot of ass. So I'm not going to, maybe they were just like, oh, we get to the next, next scene. I'll just write this as a keeper line. And they just forgot. Because while escaping with grandma, grandma's now wounded. Ava struggles to get to the wormhole, with the Finna's telling her to go to a wormhole, this won't take you back home. And it's collapsing. She steps inside the wormhole and is an affair of wildness as time and space stretch out in infinite directions. Ava sees herself helping Grandma in a quantum funhouse tunnel. It said different versions are falling, dying, losing, struggling to survive, failing hundreds and thousands of times. But our Ava, she's holding on to Grandma and she keeps going past all those other versions of her, of herself. She's going to survive. She's going to make it out. She's going to be not be the one that falls. And there's this idea that I actually kind of like called quantum immortality. And this kind of falls in with it a little bit. See, reality itself is shaped by the observer. You are the observer. The little spark inside your mind that recognizes that you are a being. It's a batshit theory that exists that the being known as you is an immortal creature simply by the fact that you observe your life alone. By yourself is what I mean by alone. You, there's just that spark inside. Nobody else knows what goes on in that little spark. In real reality, that you observe, other people die. You see yourself get sick and maimed and all manner of different pain. But you can continue forever because you're the one watching. You never die. You exist to perceive your life. Therefore, you exist forever. Like you live in the one realm where you keep going forever because you perceive that you go on forever. Isn't that a weird thought? 
everybody else is in the realities where they pass on, where something bad happens to them, where their life is snuffed out. But you live in the reality where you are, you made that, you, you didn't eat that bad sandwich. You didn't go to war. Giant plague didn't decimate 99.99% of human population. And you were one of them. It's pretty fucked up trippy shit. Makes me think there's a Dale out there that made it. Hundreds, millions, countless Dales. They pulled a breath when a robot pirates pulled him from the honey or sea. Or they never went into the honey water to begin with. Or they never followed me into the endless stacks. A Dale that sat home and wondered if his brother was ever coming home. Doesn't matter much, unless there's a version of me that gives a shit. The little Dale will wait forever. Whatever, little dude. I left your corpse in, in the nexus of all things. I can leave you sitting on the porch crying that your big brother ain't coming back. Maybe take a baseball or some nonsense to fill the void. But you know who else is trying to fill a void? Ava. Ava makes it home with Captain Grandma, who now pretends to be the OG Grandma. Ava has to sit with her boss and debrief. Which amounts to clarifying Jules' last moment. Since they technically refused to come back to work with Ava, they quit. That means less paperwork than if they had died while performing their duties. Says blah blah blah. It's much more tired bullshit about, you know, companies are evil and your job does not love you. It probably feels hardcore to people who have never worked on either side of those positions. Not that it's wrong, it's pretty spot on, but still, it's almost too spot on. I feel like we need a new way to say this other than they don't care about the workers, lol. Because what is really effective is Ava gathering up Jules' scarf and going in there to their apartment. So there's something about that quiet moment, clutching a loved one's belonging and being in a space they will never visit again. There's a special type of mourning for that. It's another cliche, maybe, but this time it's a lived-in one instead of commented on. More human connections to the commentary like this. That, sure, when we're all gone, we are, we are the things that we surround ourselves with, but that's human and okay. You know, no HR person has ever joked that you know, it's less paperwork if they quit than if they died when they're probably dead. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't work. You can't do that kind of farcical stuff and then go to this actual real human thing without some sort of bridge. This doesn't feel like it's the same reality. Of course, that could be commentary here. For most of the book, Ava bitches and moans about her relationship. She tells us every shitty thing she felt about it and about Jules, and here we see her mourn that relationship. Sadly, she does so once she cannot voice it to the person on the other side. But would they want her to? It's still a little selfish. It's a weird thought. Especially since the last time we see Ava, she's going back into the store with Finna to find Jules. Or age rule, it's not very clear. 
Still, the story shows that all possibilities are open until you make a choice. Your life is wide open, every minute giving away billions of possibilities. Standing on the edge of your doorway, that first step can lead to Mordor, or to Aunt Maddie's Pizza Barn, where you can get targeted by a government for checking out library books and also maybe pizza discounts. You can be a friend of the library over on Patreon at patreon.com slash library too. Anyway, that's all we've got to say for that shit. Next week or, or month, I don't know. Come back next time, whenever I feel like doing this, and we'll talk about some more bullshit. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening. Stay in. Read a book. Music, Dances and Dames, by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.